Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. just not how I roll. If you have your Bible there, open up to Isaiah chapter 9. Some of you will already know where we're headed with that as we get into that. I'm curious, as, as we finished off communion today and there was nobody up here providing direction or instruction or saying what was going to happen next, how did you go with just sitting in the stillness and the quiet? Did you kind of get a little bit anxious about, is it meant to, has somebody forgotten? I think that's what happens in the first 10 seconds of church land. If there's nobody on the platform for 10 seconds, other people start to get a bit itchy. They're like, somebody forgotten? Is it meant to be somebody? There has been times when people have forgotten, but it generally takes about half a minute before we realise. But sometimes it's nice just to not rush, to sit to rest, just to wait. Now, this will seem completely unrelated, but it's not. I love babies. Do you love babies? You have to wait for babies. I'm done waiting for babies. We're not having any more. This is not an announcement or anything. (laughs) Just just to be clear right from the get-go. I'm not allowed to have any more, am I? No, see? So... It fascinates me, the babies. We're having a conversation with friends of ours on Friday that we relate to babies like we relate to no other humans. Now, there's baby Liam's down there. I won't interrupt his playtime. I think Liam would be the youngest one we have today. I can't see any other babies, and I won't use any as an example. But if we have a baby, we get, and we can cuddle them, get nice up and close, and they're all soft and squishy, even the way that we talk about babies. And they have no choice. Like, we just pass them around. Pardon? Can I have him? <laughs> this will be the last time I preach, I reckon. <laughs> hello, hello. Don't, please don't cry. <laughs> You'll go straight back to Mama. You watch how YouTube viewings go up after this. So this is Liam... That was very half-hearted, wasn't it, Liam? I'm sorry. You need a visual gag. Isn't he gorgeous? But we get babies and we can cuddle them and squish them and we smell them. You smell good, mate. Hmm? And then we say weird things about them or to them and we talk in weird voices. Like we get them and go, look at those squishy little cheeks. Look at those cheeks. And now he's like, put me down, you weirdo. Another weird thing is like, oh, I could just eat you up. I don't know. Maybe you've never said that. It's a weird thing to say about any human, let alone a small child. Isn't it? But it's what we do. Maybe you don't. Maybe that's, that's true, isn't it? So we say these weird things. Now, I'll, I'll put you back. I'd love to cuddle you, but I will not be able to concentrate. So you can go back to Mama. Thank you so much, Han. If I had Hannah up here, for example... You don't have to, because that would get real awkward real fast. And I got right up in Hannah's face, and Hannah and I are good friends. I got right up in her face. I said, look at those squishy 
Mr. Jinx. I'm going to stitch you up. Now, Hannah would probably laugh because she knows me and she's used to my weirdness. But we talk to babies, no matter whether we've known them for minutes or hours or if they're friends or related, we could meet a baby in a pram in the supermarket and we'd be all up in their face saying, look at your squeezy little cheeks. But we don't do that to the adults. Can you imagine if we started doing that to adults? Try it. I will come visit you in jail. We relate so differently to babies, and for good reason. Babies are so vulnerable and unprotected and need nurture and care and need to be surrounded by strength because they have very little strength of their own. But babies are, for the most part, I mean, I'm not the one that's getting up to Liam in the middle of the night when Liam can't sleep. So for me to have a five-minute cuddle with Liam, like my love tank is full, I've had a cuddle, Liam didn't cry, so that's a win. And now it's back to the parents who get to provide shelter and care and food and nurture 24-7. Completely different relationship. And sometimes I think we kind of get used to baby Jesus, all cute and cuddly, whatever he might have been, and want to approach Jesus, baby Jesus, And forget that Jesus grows in to be the man that actually calls us to a life of servanthood, a life of submission, a life of sacrifice, a life where we carry our cross, the life where we actually die to ourselves and step into life that we have because of what Jesus has already done for us. There's a movie, I won't name it because it's a terrible movie and you shouldn't watch it because you're all God-fearing Christians and I've only heard about it, I haven't watched it myself. But the family is sitting down to say grace before a meal and one of the members of the family, they're saying grace and he starts to pray and he says, dear baby Jesus. And the family's like, why are you praying to baby Jesus? And he says, I like baby Jesus the best. And sometimes I think we like baby Jesus the best. But it's this baby Jesus that actually grows and learns. Luke tells us that he grows in favor and in wisdom with God and with man and becomes Jesus, is Jesus that dies on the cross. If we go back 700-ish years before Jesus walked the earth, before Jesus was born, there's a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 that a lot of us would know. We sing songs about it. It comes up every Christmas time. And we read verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 6, that says, For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Have you ever just sat and meditated on those names? Some of your translations might put a comma in between wonderful and counsellor. Either works. He's either the wonderful counsellor or he's wonderful and the counsellor or all of the above. Of the increase of his government, verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty 
will accomplish this. So here's the prophet Isaiah, seven centuries before Jesus was born, saying, for unto us a child will be born. There is a child coming that is going to be the redeemer of the world. He will be known as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now, for prophets in the Old Testament, the measure of whether or not you were a true prophet or not was that your prophecy came true. So Isaiah and the generation around him and the generations coming didn't get to see the fulfillment of this word. So for Isaiah, in this tumultuous time in the history of Israel, when they're either under attack or they're going into exile or they're in exile and all this uproar is taking place and they're looking for a redeemer, they're looking for a restorer, someone to lead them back into being the people of God that they were, Isaiah comes and says, there's one coming that will restore us. Soon. We have to wait. Go back, let's, uh, chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness, Isaiah is speaking from the Lord to the people, to the nation. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. So why are we reading all that? Isaiah is giving kind of this snapshot of the situation that they're in and saying what is actually happening for the nation, for the people at the moment. A nation in uproar, a nation that is trying to move forward by fighting battles. And it's into this context, it's into this situation, the midst of the upheaval of the nation that Isaiah, um, the prophet of the Lord, comes and says... There's one coming to lead us and restore us, and it's going to be a child. He will actually come as a child. Not even a child. He'll come as a baby, clearly, a child, absolutely. A baby will be born that will lead this nation into full restoration. And you can go through and read the whole of Isaiah if you want and get this picture of the nation that he's dealing with, the nation that he's working with, and the full story that is going to happen um, when Jesus comes Um, and leads people into full redemption. We know the story. We know what happens because we're after the fact. Because we we get to read God's word and we know the story of Jesus being born and Jesus walking the earth. And as Jason shared at communion and his life and his ministry and his death, his sacrifice and his resurrection. But for anybody before the resurrection, even people at the resurrection, they didn't have a clue that any of this was going to happen except the chosen few that had a picture of what was to take place. And so they were living this season of waiting, waiting for their Messiah, waiting for their anointed one, waiting to find out what the Prince of Peace or who the Prince of Peace would look like. Waiting for so long for someone to come and save them. And sometimes I wonder if we in our 21st century first world setting for the most of us 
fairly well off, have what we need, get looked after in different ways, shape or form. Kind of lose sight of all of who Jesus truly is and all that Jesus does for us in order to redeem us to our Father in heaven. Because we don't have the context for most of us of living in a war-torn society where we're waiting for someone to come and save us. We don't have the context of being so impoverished, so ruled by the enemies that will come and cart us off to captivity that we don't know what it is to wait for a righteous king. And we have a righteous king. We know the Prince of Peace. We can have the Prince of Peace if only we will stop and accept him. And this is the invitation that we have, and we kind of make a deal of it at Christmas time because Christmas is popular, and even the stores play songs about the birth of baby Jesus. So there's kind of an open doorway to have conversations and to talk about Jesus born in a manger. But we lose sight of Jesus, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the one who gave his life for you and for me to be fully restored, fully redeemed into right relationship with the Father. This is why Jesus came. And so Isaiah prophesies and says, he'll be called, this one will be the wonderful counsellor, the mighty God. Even that is mind-blowing. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Now, we know how Jesus comes to be about. Turn to Luke chapter 1. If you're using the version app, uh, I'm sorry, it's not in there because I've added it at the last minute. So Luke chapter 1. And this is the story, this is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. So if Isaiah is watching this from heaven, he'd be like, hey, this is what I talked about. This is the guy. As an angel goes to Mary, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. I've not had an angelic encounter. Has anybody had an angelic encounter? No? Not, not yet? I'm saying not yet. I haven't had one. If an angel shows up, generally if an angel shows up, people get freaked out. I don't know if you've noticed that in the Bible. Angel shows up, people get scared. And this angel shows up. Gabriel and says, You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel Gabriel said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. You can see there there's highlights from the prophecy from, his, uh, from Isaiah that his kingdom will never end. The, increase, the government of Jesus Christ, the government of heaven, 
is one of increase, the one of one that continues to increase that is everlasting. And that's one of the reasons that we, even in a complete state of pandemonium in the world, that we do not need to be worried or afraid. Because the kingdom of heaven is not one that is receding or going backwards or dying off. And even if church communities might shut down, the church is not dying because the church is the bride of Christ, married to the Prince of Peace, who is the everlasting Father, who is leading the government that knows no end. That was better than your response. That's okay. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Like, have you ever put yourself in Mary's shoes? A teenage girl, a teenage Jewish girl, and an angel shows up and says, Greetings, you are highly favoured. You're going to have a baby, even though you're not married. And Mary asked the angel, How's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who, was said to be, she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I just get excited reading that. How good is that? Nothing is impossible. You, Mary, a teenage girl, even though you're not married and have not been with a man yet, you're going to have a baby. And while we're at it, your cousin Elizabeth, who was considered to be barren, well, she's now six months pregnant. Ah. Like, that's awesome. And this is Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Contrast this with just earlier in chapter one, her cousin's husband. I forgot that right. Yeah, Zechariah, um, a priest in the temple of the Lord, serving the Lord. When the angel comes and says, Your wife's going to have a baby. And he says, How can I be sure of this? He questions. What's going to happen? Because he doubts. Mary questions, wanting to understand what is about to happen. And so Mary responds and says, May it be to me as you have said. Like that is one cool, calm, collected teenager. I don't know what it must have been like for her on the outside, on the inside, sorry. But just to respond to the angel in this way and to know. What was going to happen as she becomes pregnant, as the Holy Spirit comes upon her and the power of the Most High overshadows her and she waits for this baby to be born. She waits for this baby that she knows is special beyond belief. She waits for this baby that her people have been waiting for for centuries. And now she gets to be the one that carries that baby and brings that baby into full life and brings that baby into the world. That's astounding. And this is that same Jesus who is the Prince of Peace. 
This is that Jesus that grows to be a man who, when his family visits the city to be a part of the celebrations, he stays behind and nicks off to the temple because he wants to have a conversation with the teachers and the priests in the temple because he has to be about his father's business. And so for the first three decades, like Jason said, we don't hear much of this Jesus' life until he steps into ministry. When he goes about healing the sick, raising the dead, helping the lame to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear and for people to experience the kingdom of heaven and then in complete submission to the will of the Father goes to the cross. This is the Prince of Peace. See, because Christmas isn't just about the cute little baby Jesus that people want to kind of connect with in the manger scene, which we clean up so much. I think Simon reflected a few weeks ago. It's like, have you ever been there when a baby's born? That's messy. That can be loud. Some of you are freaking out right now. It's okay. And this is, Jesus comes in this way and grows to be this man who endures the pain and the torment of the cross for you and for me. Is that me? And extends an invitation for us and for the entire world to experience the peace that can only come from the Prince of Peace. So the beautiful thing about the Prince of Peace of peace, the beautiful thing about the peace that he gives us is that it is the peace of God that we have. We receive the peace of God so that we can have peace within us, so that we can actually operate from a place of peace, so that we don't need to operate from a place of worry or fear. Do you want me to use something else? So we do not need to operate from a place of worry or fear or doubt or shame, or guilt, because we are ruled by the Prince of Peace. I'm trying to do two things at once. That's not going to go well at all. So we receive the peace of God so that we can actually pass that on and let that and, and give that to the people and the world around us so that everybody in this world can know Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Because Isaiah didn't prophesy that a baby would be born and in that moment he would change history for all, all time, which he did. He changed the life of Mary, he changed the life of Joseph, he, cha- Joseph. he changed the life of the community around them. And it was that moment in time that changed, but history was changed forever when the prophecy of Isaiah came to be fulfilled through Mary who said, let it be to me as you have said, who submitted herself to the will of the Father and said, I accept what you are going to give me. I accept the favour and the responsibility of carrying this child. Let it be to me as you have said and taking this baby through to full term and letting the world be changed forever through her full submission to God's will and God's glory and God's purpose. Would you and I, would I be so willing to let the Father completely mess me up in the eyes of the world around me in order to see his kingdom come and his will being done? Yes. 
I'm pretty sure God isn't going to send an angel to say, you're going to have a baby. That would be something special. But do I say yes and amen to everything the Lord asks of me? Do I fully submit myself to the Prince of Peace, even when I can't understand every step in the journey? Damien and Hannah reflected a few weeks ago in um, was via video talking about um, them saying yes to the call of God on their life to serve in, in missions and to um, take part in whatever that might have looked like. And both reflecting on the fact that they can't see the full journey. They don't see the final destination. What they see is the next step, which is a yes to Jesus, a yes to what God is inviting them to be a part of. And saying yes to that. Don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to follow the Prince of Peace. Because he is our peace, he is our comfort, he is our joy, he is our strength. Final passage, John chapter 14. I can see you all ready for your cup of tea. Feel free to bring one with you, that's quite alright, we won't be offended. Uh, John chapter 14, verse... 26, but the counselor, this is Jesus with his disciples at the Last Supper. All right, just some context. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We've mentioned this before. Jesus and the angels all have this in common. They show up and they say, don't be afraid. And there's a very good reason that Jesus and the angels say, don't be afraid. It's because you've got very good cause to be afraid right then. But Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he says, I leave you my peace. And not only that, I'm going so that I can send to you the counsellor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will not only walk alongside you, but who will fill you to overflowing with the presence of God himself so that you can walk in peace. And this is why we don't have to be afraid or discouraged or worried or fearful. And most, if not all of us, would have something in our lives, some reason at some point, aside from a global pandemic, to be worried or afraid or fearful. But what does it look like when we come up to a situation that causes us worry or fear or concern or doubt or anxiety, when we go, hang on a minute, I'm not under the rulership of the world that I live in, I'm under the rulership of the Prince of Peace himself, and it's his peace that fills me to overflowing. So even though I see the situation in front of me can be full of anxiety and fear, I am going to choose peace. Here's where my PowerPoint comes alive. I know you're excited because uh, this is a picture. You all get that. Like that's on. Do you know every picture of a, a power outlet that I looked at on the internet, all the switches were on. Nothing plugged in. I was always taught that's no, not safe. But every picture I found, they're turned on. That's got nothing to do with anything. If you have a PowerPoint and you don't plug your lead in, do you power the device? 
We have these speakers here. If I don't take that and plug it into the power outlet in the floor, I can't just look at it and go, be on. If I don't plug it in and turn it on, I can't expect that device to work. If I say that I'm a follower of Jesus and I come up to this situation, I'm not, look, I've, let me explain, I'm not upset at anybody, I get passionate, my passion gets confused with frustration, I'm not frustrated, I'm passionate, alright? Just want to be clear. If I come up to this situation and I look at it and go, oh, it's really scary, I don't know what's going to happen, oh, I'm losing my job, I'm losing my family, I'm losing my home, and I stay in this and I don't, I don't get plugged into the Prince of Peace, if I don't come to the Prince of Peace and say, Jesus, your will is greater than the situation I see in front of me, now I'm spitting, heaven help me, I choose you. I see the situation, I choose you, Jesus. I submit myself, I submit this situation to your will for your glory and your purpose. Let it be to me, Jesus, as you have said. Because Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There's no one like Jesus. No one. There's no one that comes as a baby who's prophesied centuries ago and all through the Old Testament. And I mean, we can, we can read this and we can see all the way through it. It just points to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who comes as a baby, meek and mild, cute and squishy that you just want to eat his cheeks and grows up in wisdom and in favour with God and with man and in complete submission to the will of the Father goes to the cross like... That has to move you. That's got to do something inside you. And that has to shift us so that the world will know the Prince of Peace. I'm still not frustrated. I'm just passionate. So let's, let's do this. Because I could talk about Jesus for a very long time and you'll just all start to shut off. So that's all right. Let's do this. Um, if you have a situation in your life right now, and we've all been through it because, hey, nobody enjoyed coronavirus. There's a few introverts amongst us that were like, yeah, I can be home by myself all the time, thank you. But most others are like, no, over it. If you are facing a situation, and I know some of us are coming up to Christmas and like, oh, family, man, that does stuff to me that I don't feel happy about. If you are facing a situation that you feel just rises up within you a, a feeling, a sense of worry, anxiety, fear, dread, doubt, whatever negative emotion you want to attach to it, I want to invite you to stand up. Now we're going to do this corona safe, so I'm not going to ask people to lay hands, but if you have a situation where you're like, I'm scared of what I'm about to step into, I'm worried about what I'm about to step into, I'm worried, I'm anxious about this situation that I'm facing, I want to invite you to stand up and we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray with you together and we're going to go to the Prince of Peace together. So if that's you, stand up now. And if you're watching us online at home, I invite you wherever you are to, to stand up and to take part in this as well. If your family is here with you as you stand, family can gather around, obviously. I don't want to restrict that.
Okay. So Jesus said to his disciples, and we receive this as his truth, as his truth, and we declare this over you standing. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid. So Father, for those standing right now that are facing a situation full of uncertainty, fear, anxiety, worry or doubt, we just ask that you pour out your peace, that you fill them to overflowing with your spirit, that they would encounter your counsellor. that they would know peace that surpasses understanding, that they would know the joy of the Lord is their strength. We cancel any assignment of the enemy who comes to steal, kill or destroy. We plead the blood of Jesus over them, over their families, over the situation that they're facing. And we pray that your kingdom come and your will be done in this situation, in these people's lives, as it is in heaven. Just stay standing for a minute. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, he said, you're going to have a baby, Elizabeth, your relative is six months pregnant, for nothing is impossible with God. And we declare that over you standing. Nothing is impossible with God. And just repeat this after me. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Is everybody okay? Did you like my PowerPoint? You're welcome. So just put your hands out to receive. Close your eyes so you're not distracted by the people around you. And Father... We submit ourselves to you. We say, come Holy Spirit. Let it be to me, let it be to us, as individuals, as families, as a community of faith, as you have said. God, we declare that nothing is impossible with you. May we be people of peace that we would transform the world around us through sharing your love and your peace overflowing from us. Jesus, I ask that as in the days and weeks ahead as we go through Christmas and New Year's and into 2021, that we would be a people who pull aside from 
the busyness and the full-on nature of life, that we would draw away to be alone with you, that we would seek your face, that we would hear your voice, that we would know you more and more, that we would know you more deeply, more intimately than ever before. May we be people that are marked by the presence of God himself. Jesus, we love you. I pray for each and every person in this room and each person watching online right now, Lord, that we would encounter you, that we would go from having head knowledge about you to having a heart connection with you, that we would know you like never before, that we would experience your goodness, your kindness, your gentleness, that we'd know you face to face like a friend. Thank you, God, that you hear our prayers and you answer us. In Jesus' name, amen.